Welcome to 3AM, a learning opportunity through conversation furnished by the McFarlane Group. We record in the Relationary Marketing Studio at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. 3AM is a podcast conversation driven to bring the best solution stories from social impact superstars to you. Our intent through these conversations is to optimize your impact as you disrupt the status quo to make the world better. Why did we call our podcast 3AM? Well, frankly, because so many of us wake up in the middle of the night with questions, concerns, inspiration, and sometimes regret. And that time, 3AM, is the time in a body's daily cycle when the work of detoxification, rest, recovery, and planning occur, according to traditional Chinese medicine. For this episode of 3AM, I enjoyed a compassionate conversation with award-winning nonprofit leader Gail Powell, Executive Director of High Hopes Development Center. High Hopes began 35 years ago when five families in Middle Tennessee created a place where children with special needs learned and played alongside typically developing children and could also receive their daily, sometimes complicated therapies, including feeding, speech, occupational, and physical. Currently, High Hopes, located in Franklin, Tennessee, serves children birth to kindergarten in their education space and children birth to 21 in their therapy clinic from 22 counties, including some in surrounding states. The crucial decision Gail made on her third day of joining High Hopes 12 years ago as its executive director planted the seeds now blooming into the incredible success High Hopes continues to experience. We'll hear about that day and more, so let's jump in. So Gail, welcome to 3AM. Thank you for having me on 3AM. I'm excited to be here. Good. Well, mm-hmm. um, just so you all out there understand, um, I've got Gail here not just because High Hopes is marvelous and the world needs to know about it, but it's also because uh, this show is about putting the CEO and ED kind of together so that we bring these superstars of social impact to you folks so that you can hear their story, understand perhaps some challenges they've gone through um, and some celebrations that they now have because of just some really hard work uh, and and getting down to getting things done. So um, Gail's got a great story, and we're going to let her share that. But just a little bit to let you all know, she, um, she's been in Williamson County, and she in um, Tennessee, and has won two consecutive impact awards, serving as the executive director of High Hopes Development Center. And she also has won the Nashville Women of Influence Award, which is um, highly coveted. Uh, She comes actually from Texas and did both her undergrad and graduate education there in the ecosystem of education. And so she knows um, from what she um, speaks in terms of being at this development center as a principal for many years in both public and private. So um, we're really glad you're here, Gail. And while in the intro, we gave an indication and kind of a brief description of what High Hopes does, and I think that could serve for us so that we can get right to the meat of it. Good. You have a way, even over um, the radio waves, you will, or the podcast waves, to have someone visualize what you do and how you do it. So would you start us off to kind of get us 
into a sense of what your work is by sharing maybe one of your favorite stories. Well, thank you, Deb, and I, I do love telling these stories. So visualize for me, with me, just a little bit about a family who was expecting their first child. And, you know, you always hear people say, we want 10 fingers and 10 toes and everything healthy. And then when it comes back something different than that, it's scary. I mean, Deb, you and I, we both raised kids, and we know that kids don't come with instruction booklets, so throw in there a special need, and it's really complicated. So we had a young family with about a nine-month-old who was already coming to High Hopes for therapy, for physical therapy, for occupational therapy, and for feeding therapy. But they didn't have a diagnosis. And one day they got that diagnosis, and now this is telling about our staff. That mother called at 6 p.m. in the evening. Um, She called her therapist and said, we've just gotten this diagnosis from Vanderbilt what are we going to do? And she was sobbing. And of course, the therapist said, don't worry. We're going to come up with a plan. We're going to walk this with you. And the mom said, well, I don't even understand what the neurologist is telling us. She said, don't worry. Do you need need me to go to the appointment with you and help interpret? Which she did. And other therapists did as well. And, And so now let's fast forward with this little guy. So he just graduated and is going to public school, graduated high hopes. He'll still come for therapy because you probably told in the intro that we can serve kids for therapy through age 21. But he's, he's old enough now to leave our preschool and kindergarten. And so fast forward 565 therapies later and uh, five years in the preschool. And he's now going to public school with his plan. Uh, set with the school system on with his goals. He's going with all the equipment that he needs. Uh, because of his diagnosis, he can't, he doesn't have the capability to speak, but he's going with his talker, which allows him to look at the technology and let it speak for him. And trust me, he's there. He, he really has a lot to say. And, and he has all of the equipment he needs. He has all the bracing he needs. He's, he's equipped now. And so that is what it's all about. That's wonderful. I love mm-hmm. that. Okay. You know, let's just kind of give some context to special needs first before we kind of get into the mm-hmm. what you and I know is going to be really fun to talk about in a minute. But right. I think sometimes folks aren't sure exactly what special needs means. So can you help us understand that? It could be a variety of things. It really could. It could be just a developmental delay. It could be you know, a diagnosis that all of us are more familiar with, like autism or cerebral palsy or Down syndrome or spina bifida. There's just a whole lot of things that it could be. It could be social issues. You know, maybe we all have a special need in some ways. It just might not be as noticeable to everyone else in the world. Yes. But there are... But there I'm are, sure my friends would agree with you on yeah. that. You know, <laughs> you know, when we talk about kids in our school that are typical or, or developing as they typically should... Some people say, oh, you mean they're normal? I say, oh, no, none of us are normal. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Nor do we really want to be. Right? right. So I think that's a key point, too. So here's an educator coming from both public and private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this huge amount of experience. You take on what is the blending mm-hmm. of typically developed students with students who have and children who have special needs, right. with a therapy center, with family support. There's this, mm-hmm. like, there's this ecosystem right. that shows that inclusion actually makes things 
infinitely better. Infinitely better. And, and in fact, there's there's been a lot of research on what inclusion does for children with special needs. Uh, Lipscomb University recently did a study with us for what does inclusion do for the typically developing students. And that could be a whole other podcast, Deb. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's good for all of us. And the thing that I like to think about is that they're just all friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, Deb, we use that word all the time. Yes, indeed. They're friends. And so I love to say, and you may have recently heard me say this too, that that these these friends who are in our school who are typically developing are going out into the community and they are showing all of us how to be better friends, how to be bet- more accepting, how to not even notice those, those differences because they don't matter. So I, th- I think that's a big deal. It is. really do. It really mm-hmm. is. It's a marvelous place to go, and I got to go. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but yesterday I got to go see the huge expansion um, of this beautiful, beautiful development center, which actually can do more and really embraces now the community with what the other things that you guys are offering. So we'll get to that. But okay. So the reason I asked you here, <laughs> so you've come from schools, and right. you're coming to another school. I mean, it has some other pieces to it. And everybody is super psyched that you're going to be a part of it. And would you let us know what your second day? <laughs> <laughs> so Deb knows the answer to this. She just wants me to tell you. So I had been a principal for about 19 years. And so obviously I'd run my budget, my campus, you know, been a part of the whole school, but mainly run my campus. And now I'm running a nonprofit business. I mean, it's a business, and uh, that was not my degree, although I had a lot of business courses. It was just a huge change. So the second day, now I would know to ask this in the interview, (laughs) but (laughs) as a principal, I did did not know to ask that. So on the second day, I figured out that we had $17 in the bank, and we had a credit card that was maxed out, and we had about $40,000 out on a line of credit. And there were $60,000 worth of bills that were past due. So, so welcome, right? So after I caught my breath, yes. I went home and looked at my husband and said, what have I done? Exactly. So after you got your breath, obviously you came back the third day, right? right. <laughs> and the reason I came back is the mission. Yes. That's the reason. Well, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So I understand mm-hmm. that. So. Mm-hmm. So kind of mind over matter in that way, it right? Um, so let's think about the top moves that you took. Okay. Let's just move right into the practical piece because I can, I'm sure, Gail, that there's other folks out there that have found themselves in a similar situation or maybe reaching that kind of precipice, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they just want to know from somebody who's now successful and runs a multi-million dollar organization that continues to grow and serves students over 22 counties in several mm-hmm. states mm-hmm. Um, and is used as a model nationally, right? So, how did you get to that financial st- uh, stability? And I know there's probably a lot of details. So what are the top three things? If that's, if it's mm-hmm. easy to answer that way, yeah. what are the top three things, top three moves did you make to help you guys get on track? Well, I think uh, it took a minute, but um, we had a very strong board. Mm-hmm. And within that board, there were some board members or board member spouses that were brilliant uh, business people. And so I found myself learning. You know, I think as an educator, you're always learning. Well, was in, I guess in any job, you're always learning. So I found myself trying to learn from very wise business people. Took some courses at Center for Nonprofit Management, 
Um, I felt like at that time, really, we had strong staff. There were a couple of changes we felt like I felt like we needed to make. And and when you're in a business like we are, a nonprofit like we are, that's a, where there's a lot of service delivery. You know, if you can feel like your staff members who are in charge of that service delivery, if that's working, that's huge. And then relationships in the community, I, I realized that was just crucial, making those relationships in the community. So you asked for three things. So I'm going to merge relationships in the community and donors. So, I totally understand And of course, that. when I came, we had no staff to help us raise money. Except you. Or market. Right. right. Which is... I was would, writing grants. I was doing everything. Right. Which really, mm-hmm. I mean, it does lend somebody to really understand the organization, but it also shows sometimes when social impact organizations that are in the nonprofit space mm-hmm. aren't relating to themselves and their community as a business, which right. clearly you do, then then there is that notion of kind of the tin cup and please help us. Right. Or as part of the community, like we're part of this infrastructure in our community that makes it better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I can see this really tall order, mm-hmm. um, and I know you enough that you're 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 competitive um, and you <laughs> want to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I can just see that mm-hmm. and and put that together with the mission. I mean, that's a recipe for success. And I know it was hard won. It was. I also know that um, you and I know for the staff, particularly and particularly for the for the therapists and the teachers, you find self care to be really important. I think that's the last thing that leaders and organizations organizations really think about, but it's a it's an important modeling. It is. So you take this financial, what could be seen as a crisis, you could have walked away, you're not going to. Mm-hmm. You now have moved it through just sheer perseverance mm-hmm. and a lot of talent that you've brought alongside you. A lot of talent, board you. and staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so during those moments, those, you know, 3 a.m. moments when you're like, oh my gosh, you know, how are we going to make payroll or how are we going to pay that bill? Did you ever or have you have you begun to insert some self-care or how do you take care of your heart and your mind when you are looking at challenges like that? Not just financial, but mm-hmm. looking at challenges. Mm-hmm. How do you take care of yourself as an executive director so you can be ready to come back into the center every day? Well, and Deb, you know this, but um, my faith is a big part of it too. Um, couldn't get through a day without prayer. And I see the I see the way God moves every day in the lives of our children, although we're not a we're not a faith-based organization. But he's alive and well. And so that is that is the biggest part of my self-care. But I think you bring up important things. Sometimes we might just skip lunch or I go several hours and I realize I have not had enough water. All of those things. So I try to literally go prepared with the day. You know, because the mm-hmm. day can just get away. Yeah. And then I've just learned it's okay to go walk around the block or just go go walk downstairs and play with the kids a little bit because then it, it reminds me of the mission, but it brings chuckles and joy and just finding those hobbies to do too. Well, I like how part of that self-care is reminding yourself of the work of the mission. It is. Right? Getting it that is. hands and feet mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Because as an executive director, you've got to remove yourself sometimes for HR reasons, sometimes mm-hmm. for financial reasons, et cetera, right. strategic reasons. But it sounds like sometimes just 
dipping back into, you know? I mean, literally, I call them mission moments. And we do that in our board meetings now. That's how we start our board meetings is with celebrations and mission moments. And I I think we just have to remind ourselves, the staff, of those celebrations, but then just be reminded, this is why we do this. Yeah, really, really important. Yes, it is. Well, let's do this. It's kind of hyperbolic, but I think it's really important for people to hear. Let's talk about kind of best days. And then let's juxtapose that to worst days for you, just to get an idea of the fabric of what you deal with as an executive director. Well, I know that that all executive directors would say this. The days that are most dangerous are the days that I don't have as much on my calendar, <laughs> which was today. And then I had totally no time this morning. But I think those days when you feel like I have really accomplished some things today that advance the mission. Those are the good days. And then the the days that are not as good are those days when you feel like you have distractions all day that are necessary, but when you leave for the day, you think, now, did those things really help advance the mission? Mm -hmm. And that's what I like to ask myself, you know. One of those things in self-care, and I really had it written at a different place, but it's to find that mentor. I think that is something that isolation can be a problem for executive directors because I have directors that run our programs, but they've got enough on their plate to run their program. I don't want them having to share in my stress. So it's just really good to have those mentors that you can just say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go have some lunch or let's go for a walk together or whatever it is. I think that's important. And actually, there are some things like right now, I'm, I'm very pleased that, that our Williamson County Chamber of Commerce, Williamson Inc. and Center for Nonprofit Management have worked together. And so there are some times to bring the Williamson County CEOs together. And we meet at the chamber office and it's great. And we just share with one another. We laugh, but we also say, what are you doing about? And sometimes our topics are chosen by what's keeping us up. Well, that's, I love that. I do too. Because I think sometimes that cross-pollination, so across the different social um, challenges, to your point, it gets you out of what your normal is and what you think about. And either you can troubleshoot for somebody else or you see the parallels in putting these organizations together. So you, so that it does help with, um, alleviate the isolation, but it also lets you lend to somebody else, which I think is really important. It's very important. Because y'all are, everybody's giving in the social impact space, right? We we are. And I, and I, and I also think that we tend many times to think I don't have time to go to that. But sometimes it, it's just time well spent. It's edifying, I'm mm-hmm. sure. It is. So we've talked about the financial piece that you found yourself in. And I know you're one of the leaders in considering different streams of revenue to mm-hmm. build the organization and to stabilize some things so that it's not always, I mean, we all know that constantly asking for money is exhausting. It's necessary, but exhausting. And now in the social impact space, we're really trying to cause people to think about, well, what else could I be doing? What What is it besides an event, an appeal, a conversation, right. a coffee, a major gift? What else can I do? And I know you all have almost doubled the size, We have right? doubled the size, yes. Which, and I'm just going to let everybody know, if you're in the Nashville area, you need to really go, first of all, go on the website. We, we can talk about that at the end. But I, I want you also to, to think about going to see this space. It's incredible. 
And I got to go see it yesterday. I'm so glad I did. Me it was too. great to see Me it. Too. But what one thing besides all the services, having more space, you've added kindergarten, which is amazing in terms of bringing that inclusivity to a larger audience. But there was a portion that we looked at and you looked at me and said, you know what? We have offices that are for rent. We do. We, we have about four offices right now that we're not using. So for the next, I don't know, year or two or five, I don't know, um, that's some space that we could rent out. And then there could be some benefits because if they also needed to use one of our conference rooms or our multi-purpose space, they could rent that out just as an as-needed basis, not pay for it all the time. And so I think it could work really well. And, and we can also lease out that, that multi-purpose space that we have. We had mm-hmm. 100 people seated, not at tables, but just in chairs the other day. Mm-hmm. It's a great space. Like, we've had therapists in there from the region learning uh, with a speaker. So it really works well. What I love about what you all did was, we're not just going to build for our mission. Let's build to think about expansion, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's like, we j- we can afford this much because we can raise this much. But what you all did was, let's make sure that we are thinking about it differently. So we're going to enlarge because we have to, because the need is so great and we can expand our services. But if we do it right, mm-hmm. there may be this other piece right. in terms of revenue. And I think that's a different way of looking at, first of all, a capital campaign and what you want that building to look like. Right. It's, it absolutely is. We, we built it for our mission, but also, and, and again, we, we did not want to get bigger. We've all heard that story of 100 people a day moving here to the greater Nashville area. And so if you look at the U.S. Census that one in five has a disability, we know that on top of the kids who are already here, there are kids moving in town every day who need our mission. So that's why we grew. But yes, we did plan it so that we can use those spaces, but that our community is growing so others in the community might have the same need. So when we're not using it, we can lease it. I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So if another executive director finds themselves with some unstable financial realities, what things would you tell them to do kind of right off the bat? Okay, here's some advice that a, that a board member gave me early on. Because when I came, High Hopes was still an infant, if you look at the maturity of an organization. But we were 20 years old. And he said, it's time for High Hopes to grow. But more importantly, it's time for High Hopes to grow up. So I had to literally start putting for myself on paper, what does that look like? Okay, we need a director of development. Okay, there's not one administrative assistant here. There's no one helping us uh, tell the story out there. And so we had to each year, okay, what can we safely do? And to, although we're nonprofit and our bottom line is the mission, we had to run it more like a business. It is a business. It just doesn't make money. Right. The outcomes, We do that part really well. <laughs> the, outcome, the outcomes are the mission. Yeah. The outcomes are the, the mission. And that's the difference, right? So it, it really is the mm-hmm. models are the same. Mm-hmm. The ROI is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, for me, of course, the exchange is much better to make the world better. I'm, I am not against profit. Believe right. me. I that would be that's wonderful. fabulous. It would. Um, but I do believe in, the, in that ecosystem of social impact that mm-hmm. it is the outcome of making the world better in some way. And, mm-hmm. and High Hopes does that so well. So let's talk about um, what Nashville can do to support High Hopes. 
Well, there's there's three things, really. Um, number one, help us get the word out. If there is a child, teenager, or family who needs us, please tell them about us. Please tell them about our website, which you will have on here later. So that's number one. Number two, if you have some time and you'd like to come and volunteer, contact us and we'll see. There's always things you can help us do. And then number three, uh, we do need help financing our mission. We do have some revenue from our mission, but we try not to pass on added costs to our families who are already burdened. But I think there's an even bigger thing that you and I, we've talked about before, and that is to help us with the way that people with disabilities are viewed. If we can remember that word friend, we all want to be one and have one, at least. And so if, if this community could just think about including people, you know, sometimes it might not be someone you know, but that you're willing to speak to them, stop and hear their story, whatever. Invite those kids to your child's birthday party or invite that family over. And you may hear often that we never get invited anywhere. So just include them. Be a friend. Again, I love to just think about going out and if we could just all make this community more accepting. That's great. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. That gives everybody some actionable steps. So that's wonderful. So we call this 3 a.m. because we know Mm -hmm. that folks like you Mm -hmm. who are out to you know, kind of disrupt the status quo and make the world better, that sometimes it's around middle of the night, 3 a.m., when you wake up and you're like, oh, my gosh, what's next? Or, hey, this worked really well. Um, So, Gail, what keeps you up at night? I think most of the time it would be a financial thing. I really feel like our kiddos are getting the great intervention and love that they need. It's the financial thing to keep it going because although we're— so much better than we were. You're never there. And I think that is the biggest thing. And just the wisdom to know uh, for these important missions, how do we make sure it continues? Uh, We turned 35 last week. It's important to continue going for a long time. So let me talk just really quickly about, there's two things, High Hope's does a lot of great events, which does a couple things. It obviously is to raise money, but it really does raise awareness. Mm-hmm. It and does. I think you guys are the masters of how many different ways to do that so that people can really onboard in different ways. Mm-hmm. And you've got some things coming up in the fall. What I like about it is how different they are. So can you just give us that? Sure. We have an event coming up in September called High Hopes and Hops, and it's a less expensive event. It's informal. It's 5.30 to 7.30 in the evening. It's more of a beer event. That is a great one. And then also we have our event, Hats Off to High Hopes, which has been going on for, this will be the 22nd year, I think. And it has always involved music. But this year, it's going to be a little different. It's Hats Off to High Hopes Turning the Table style. So it's chef-driven and celebrity-served. Oh, wow. At the factory on November 10th. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, we'll we'll put that um, information up on our site so people can, can That'd be great. get tickets and stuff and learn about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this has just been such a great conversation. I so appreciate your time. Um, let me go ahead and just ask this. Okay. So if you weren't leading High Hopes, what would you be doing? Well, I don't know. My <laughs> life has been kids. My yeah. All my life has been kids. And, yeah. and I do have these— grandkids that would be fun to spend some more time with them. 
You know, my hobbies are really uh, reading and hiking, maybe one of those. I have a place I love to visit in, in the Rocky Mountains of northern New Mexico, so I would probably be there some. I can't imagine that happening for a, a long mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. so I think High Hopes would um, not quite know what to do without Miss um, Gail Powell there. Gail, thank you for the time you've given us today. You're welcome. Um, the story of, of finding yourself um, with that financial kind of picture your second day and then having the guts, quite frankly, to show up on the third mm-hmm. because it was the mission that propelled you. It and, was. And I know it's the thing that drives you every day, and that's There's why— There's no question. There is this incredible organization that's open to so many families and um, and also open to volunteers to help as well. Right. That's right. And, and Deb, I think when you mentioned that, in these 12 years I've been there, although there's been some stressful days— there's never been a day I didn't want to go. And I think that's huge, that you have to find that mission that really fuels your passion. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to give you our official 3 a.m., What's Keeping You Up at Night Thank book you. so that when you wake up and you have ideas and um, oh, you want to solve good. things, you can this keep it by good. the It's the new bedside table book. So That's great. Well, we are very grateful to you for today. Um, So, folks, we want you all to take time and look at um, highhopesforkids.org and find out all the wonderful things that they're doing. And please, no matter where you are in the world, I'd like you to to click on to that and understand the opportunities for inclusion that actually can make those of us who have somehow been given the label of typically developed Mm -hmm. to learn what it is to be inclusive. So Gail, thank you so much for being here at 3 a.m. Thank you, Deb. Doesn't high hopes just fill your heart? Acceptance and inclusion taught as a simple way of life to our youngest citizens, providing an example for the rest of us to treat everyone as friends. Thank you, Gail, for sharing your story of courage and belief in always focusing on the organization's mission to survive challenges and come out stronger for the experience. Check out the organization at highhopesforkids.org. Our time is up for this episode. Thank you for listening. My name is Deb McFarlane Enright, your host on 3AM, a production of the McFarlane Group. Please subscribe to our podcast for my takeaways from all of our 3AM conversations at themcfarlanegroup.com. As ever, our thanks to Relationary Marketing and the Nashville Entrepreneur Center for their continued support of 3AM. And thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in to 3AM as we bring more conversations your way to help you optimize your impact in making the world better, disrupting the status quo. Music